Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What's up, Raider Nation? Matt Holder from Silver and Black Pride here. The Raiders are coming off a bye and set to take on the Houston Texans in what will start a stretch of must-win games. So for this week's Behind Enemy Lines podcast, please welcome Jeremy Brenner from Battle Red Blog, SB Nation's site that covers all things Texans. Jeremy, thanks for coming on, man. How you doing? Thanks, Matt. It's a really good thing you get the Texans on the first week of your must-win string of games. <laughs> so uh, congrats to you and the rest of Raider Nation. Hey, I'm happy about it. But then again, you know, you look at the, the draft standings, the Raiders are picking second in the league. So I, I, can't, I can't say there's too much of a too much of a difference right now. I Let's think it's see. a bit of a fluke personally, but yes, this is yeah. true. Hope you're right. Well, I think I have my answer based on your, your opening statement there. But uh, how are you feeling about the Texans five games into the season? You know, this season, zero expectations for the Texans, obviously. Um, and you really can't when you have a quarterback that isn't necessarily uh, the guy that you're going to move forward with for the franchise. And you've got a lot of young pieces that you're starting to put in because for a while, you know, the Texans had, you know, sacrificed their draft picks. They traded like two for Laramie Tunsil. They, they traded one for Deshaun Watson. So they weren't picking very high for a long time. Um, but then this year, you know, obviously trading Deshaun got you an extra draft pick. They drafted third overall. They got Derek Stingley out of that. They had a high second round pick as well. They got Jalen Petrie out of that and Kenyon Green. All three of those guys are huge starting uh, starting in the starting lineup and they're huge contributors as well. I think Jalen Petrie had a two interception game a couple weeks back. Kenyon Green has been the starting left guard. He's been playing pretty well. Derek Stingley hit his first pick against the Jags in week five. Uh, also, Damian Pierce. I mean, Damian Pierce has been the guy for the Texans so far through the first five weeks. So, uh, it, you know, it's really nice to see this this rookie class uh, get going. And that's why the wins and losses and tie. I hate that part of it. But um, <laughs> that doesn't really matter that much. As long as those four guys and some other ancillary pieces are performing well, that, that's all you can really ask for if you're a Texans fan. So I want to dive into a little bit of your your first statement there where you're talking about Davis Mills maybe not being the guy or maybe not being the quarterback of the future. Because I feel like at the end of last year, there was at least some hope or optimism that maybe he does end up being the guy. So I guess what's changed from the optimism that he ended with last season and kind of where they are at right now, thinking that maybe CJ Stroud or Bryce Young is the guy? I don't know, Matt. You know, I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that the rookie class last year was so stacked um, and they all kind of underperformed. Um, you know, people were like, oh, Mac Jones is the best quarterback because gotcha. he made the playoffs out of all those guys. But just let me ask you this. Do you think Davis Mills is leading the Texans or any team to a Super Bowl? Probably not right now. Probably not. Yeah. yeah. So I just I, I just I can't see it like he's like Mike Glennon, like reincarnated because <laughs> the man's got a neck just as long as his. And. <laughs> I just, you know, and look, this is not to knock Davis Mills because he's he's a probably a really nice guy, but I just I don't see it. And he look, the Texans have lost um, three of their first five games. They've had a chance to win every single one of the games that he has lost or tied uh, for that matter. And the game that they won, 
they probably shouldn't have won because they um they they barely beat the Jags on the road. But uh, you know, the Colts game was a winnable game in the fourth quarter. The Broncos game was a winnable game in the fourth quarter. Same with the Chargers in week four. And the Bears game, he threw a pick uh as he was trying to drive the team downfield to set up a game-winning field goal. So that to me was proof enough, especially that Chicago pick, um, that Davis Mills is just not the guy. He's a he's a bridge guy. Um, I wouldn't necessarily mind if the Texans uh went with a rookie next year, although I personally am not like super keen on CJ Stroud or uh Bryce Young. I mean, Bryce Young is probably my favorite out of the three, out of him, uh CJ and Will Levis. Um, but I'm not like sold like, yes, that's our franchise guy forever on any of those three um, more than Davis Mills is. And the fact is like Davis Mills is a cheap option on a rookie deal. And and you can't like, it, like, it's not like you can't play him. Like there's no reason to bench Davis Mills because he's been playing poorly because he's a second year player and he barely right. played in college. So he's really learning on the fly here. And I mean, but the thing is in the NFL, you know, wins matter and he's right. not getting the wins. So that's, that's why I'm anti Davis Mills. Yeah. I do feel like the Texans are kind of in this like unique spot where it's kind of a win-win with Davis Mills. where like, he goes out and he plays well, you have your quarterback to, that you have in the future and everything. But then if he plays poorly, well, then you're going to be in position to have the, to be able to draft the next one. So it's kind of a, it's interesting situation. And especially like you talked about Davis Mills being on the, the cheap rookie contract at that, a third round rookie contract too. So it's not like they're like tied into him like that would be someone who if they drafted like top ten or something like that. Yeah, I, I and I like the fact that they're building the rest of the team around the quarterback, and then they'll go get their quarterback later on because it allows them to develop those guys down the road, pay them when they need to be paid, and then you may still have a quarterback on a rookie deal, assuming it's within five years of when he's drafted or four years, and then you can really build a team around a guy like that. That's a common formula for winning a, for winning a championship. I mean, look at, look at, just look at Cincinnati, look at um, you know, Kansas city when they won with Mahomes. like all of those guys are on rookie deals. Uh, Carson Wentz was on a rookie deal when the Philly, uh, when Philly won. So it, it's a common, like, I personally think that's the best way to build a football team is you build uh, the defense, you build your offensive line, the receivers come a little bit later, then you get your quarterback and you move forward. Definitely. Yeah, I can agree with that. I do want to circle back a little bit and bring the focus back to Sunday. Obviously, Davis Mills will be playing in that game. So where are his strengths and where are his sort of weaknesses out on the field? You know, Davis Mills is just we've seen it like here and there. Um, he's not really like a big play guy. And I think part of it has to do with the fact that he doesn't have like established playmakers around him, like receivers. Uh, you know, he's got Brandon Cooks, but Brandon Cooks is really the only guy like Nico Collins, again, is another guy that they're trying to, you know, integrate into that role. But he doesn't have like a super, you know, super great receiver core that like, say, Las Vegas has that mm -hmm. that can really go and help Derek Carr make plays like Derek Carr, from what I've seen, at least. He's not the kind of guy that's going to go and make a great play on his own like Mahomes or Josh Allen would but he's got people around him that can go and do that for him he's just got to put him in the right position to do so so for Davis Mills he can be that guy long term 
but he's got to have players around him making those plays. And, and the Texans receivers simply aren't on that level yet. You know, they did try to get, uh, to get those guys in the draft. They drafted John Mechie in the second round. And obviously, um, you know, his leukemia diagnosis over the summer, uh, has kept him out this season. So it's not like the Texans aren't trying to do that. Um, but it's just the, the product on the field is, is why the team is where it is right now. And like the, the defense is not the problem. The defense has been great. Um, really exciting to watch, but the offense has been the root of most of the issues for the team. And Davis Mills just hasn't gotten over that hump. He's kind of plateaued in a sense. Gotcha. Well, the next guy I actually want to talk about was Brandon Cooks, who you brought up. Cause I feel like Cooks is one of the more underrated receivers in the game. Um, Obviously, the Texans brought him in last season, and he's been playing fairly well this season. So I'm curious, or two years ago, they brought him in. Um, so I'm curious, can you tell us what Brandon Cooks has brought to the Texans offense? Yeah, Brandon Cooks, you know, they extended him this offseason too. So, like, even though it's a really young team and they want to, you know, play their younger players, they also want Brandon Cooks to be part of this uh, equation, if you will. Um, and he has, he's been kind of like the guy you, you turn to if, if you need a big, you know, if you need a big, like third down and, and they aren't very good on third down. For, <laughs> so, so it, it's not like, and look, Brandon cooks has been, has succeeded in multiple offenses. He's probably like one of, I want to say he's like one of three or one of five receivers in NFL history to have a thousand yards for four different teams. Yeah. So he's, he's been, he's a guy that can work. And that's why they traded him for, I think it was a second round pick at the time uh, from the Rams. So they had, um, and, and he's the kind of guy that can, can go and make those, those plays. But again, it goes back to the quarterback, you know, the quarterbacks also got to put Brandon cooks in a position to succeed. And it's, it's a two way street and not always are both mills and cooks on the same page. Ideally though, you want Brandon Cooks to be that number one option so that Davis Mills has someone to turn to, but not always is Davis Mills in the right mindset to make that big play, to make that big pass. They're, they're not a big play explosive offense. It's just not <laughs> who the Texans are at this point. They are a team that likes to run the football and they've done so with Damian Pierce, especially in the last three games. Um, in the first week, they like barely played him. And they they went with Rex Burkhead on most of the carries. And <laughs> the fans were like, why the hell are we running Rex Burkhead when we've got a rookie running back who could be, you know, the next Arian Foster? And and like one of the polls that I ran on our on our reacts segment for each week uh, was can can Damian Pierce be better than Arian Foster? And I want to say more than half said yes. So that like Damian Pierce is real wow. raw and he was given a perfect situation out of college to go to a running back room that didn't have a whole lot of competition. And he's been able to be that lead back. And I think the Texans need to run it with him um, until it goes. I know I kind of went on a tangent there, but. Uh, oh, no, you're perfect. Yeah. Perfect. No, that perfect lead in because I was going to ask you about Damian Pierce next and just, yeah. you know. What is he kind of brought to the offense? Like, what is he? What is his skill set like? Obviously, Raider fans, you know him being a rookie. No offense, Texans aren't exactly on the top of our minds <laughs> to um, to start the season. So, can you tell us just what he brings to the table? He's a three down back. He's a three down back. He's the guy that you you want to you want to run and pound the ground with. And um, you know, it's gotten to a point now where in week one it was Rex Burkhead getting the majority of the carries. Now Rex Burkhead is only in on passing downs and he's not even seeing, you know, any 
running opportunities. He's he's mainly there just to kind of be like the receiving back out of the, out of the backfield. And I think with Damian Pierce, you know, he's a guy. Ideally, in order for the Texans to win, Damian Pierce is a guy that's going to get you twenty five carries, a hundred or so yards, and a touchdown. And I think that's what he was able to do against the Jaguars. I don't have the the stats on the top of my head. It was two weeks ago. The Texans are coming off of their bye, so um, they've they've got a lot of rest, and that that to me makes me think that this is going to be a Damian Pierce again, uh, a very heavy game plan for him. Um, I think that's the best way the Texans can win a football game, and and given where the AFC South is and all that, I do think that there is a lot of the Texans. Um, like brass that really thinks that the playoffs are still mm-hmm. an option for this year. I do not agree, but I mean, if you can make the playoffs, why can't like, why not? And they still yeah. have 12 games in their schedule. So um, it is still really early in the season. And like, kind of like what you said, Matt, it's like, if the Raiders need to win games now, Texans are in a similar boat, although it's a little bit more of a need for the Raiders to do so because <laughs> yeah they have a much more established team than the Texans do. So um, the Texans are also kind of in that boat. And I think the best way to do that is to run Damian Pierce into the ground. Almost not like in a bad way, but I think the more Damian Pierce touches, the better the chances of the Texans getting a win. So six running backs were taken a draft ahead of him. Obviously he's been the best one of the bunch so far. Why do you think he fell so far in the draft? It's a combination of, um, like fit and in need. Like there were a lot of running backs that went out last year. Um, and I feel like, you know, it's interesting because I, I really do think that it, it isn't as much about Damian Pierce as it is about the fit for the Texans. Like if, if let's, I, I'm just going to throw out like a random running back, like a, a Kenneth Walker, like Kenneth Walker had a good game on Sunday against, right. against Arizona. Kenneth Walker was in was in Houston. I do think that we could be seeing Damian Pierce like numbers from him. I think it's I think it's a lot of it has to do with just the scheme and the fit. And I feel like um, a lot of teams drafting early, they don't want to go out and take a three down back uh, right away because they don't need that. You know that they want to fill higher needs earlier in the draft. To me, that's where you get your offensive line. You get your uh, defense. Like I, I think you want to build through the trenches. You want to get some different positions. Running back is honestly probably lo- like close to the bottom in terms of where you want to get a guy like a Damian Pierce, and so that's why I think it, it took until the the fourth round for him to be taken. I don't think it had anything to do with talent. I think it just had to do mostly with fit and the kind of player that they needed. And the Texans knew this going into the draft. That's why they spent all of those picks before him getting other players that wouldn't have been there later versus getting a guy like Damian Pierce with great value in the fourth round. I mean, Damian Pierce has the talent to be a a day two pick or, or even maybe a first late first, I would say, but the need wasn't there. And um, I'm glad that he fell all the way to the fourth <laughs> round for the Texans to scoop him up because he's been crucial for the Texans so far, and I expect him to continue to be that. Yeah, I can imagine. Moving on to the offensive line, I feel like Laramie Tunstall is another guy that probably doesn't get quite the recognition he deserves, but has been one of the better left tackles in the NFL. Can you tell us about what Tunstall has meant to the uh, Texans offense since getting traded there about four years ago? 
yeah so we have kind of a love-hate relationship with laramie tunsil um in okay Houston. um but right now it's, it's a love part of it um because because the thing is tunsil came in um and was traded for two two picks two first round picks so uh, you know this was like a, and this was back when the texans were like really starting to contend for more than just a division right. title like they thought like people were thinking the texans were I can't remember exactly if this was the year before or the year after they went to the AFC divisional round against the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. I want to say it was the year before because I think I think Tunsil was part of that team. Um, but they were really starting to build something because they realized as soon as they drafted him that Deshaun Watson uh, could be uh, a Super Bowl quarterback someday. I mean, we've learned since that it certainly is not going to be the case in Houston. Um, right. But getting Laramie Tunsil there to protect Deshaun's blind side was super important. That's why they spent all the draft capital that they did on him. And um, when the results weren't exactly showing, you know, you kind of point the finger and say like, yo, Laramie Tunsil, like you were, you're supposed to be our guy and, and you're, you're simply just not performing for us. And then the Texans kind of went into their downward spiral and, a big reason why the Texans are where they are is because they didn't have those picks that they gotcha. traded to the Dolphins for Laramie Tunsil. And the Dolphins were able to use those picks, um, you know, and get a Jalen Waddle and stuff. So it's like, Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're like, well, I mean, that could be us and we be in so much <laughs> yeah. of a better position now. But obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, and you can't, you know, redo that deal, even though I think the, te- the Texans probably would want to do that deal back again. But now that they have him, you know, you might as well have him and, and see what he can do. And and yes, he has been one of the better left tackles when he's healthy. He wasn't healthy last year. And I think it really didn't matter that he wasn't healthy last year because last year was kind of a mulligan for the Texans. And this year yeah. kind of is too. But Laramie Tunsil is proving why he was a first round pick, why he was traded for two first round picks. And he is super important to uh, giving Davis Mills as much time as possible. And that's the thing, too, is like Davis Mills is one of the better offensive lines, especially the left side with him and Kenyon Green that have been kind of protecting him. And yet Davis Mills still has not been able (laughs) to, you know, deliver even with right. a pretty decent offensive line. So that kind of points towards Davis Mills again and to knock on him again. But Laramie Tunsil has done his job, one of the better players on the team, and he is unfortunately not seeing the results of that. So 
How do you think he's going to stack up against two gut pass rushers like Max Crosby and Chandler Jones? Is there a particular type of rusher that's given Tunsil trouble in the past? You know, I think um, I think that the Raiders' pass rush is 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 really going to be a challenge for them. I do. Um, in terms of like someone in particular that has given him a lot of trouble, there isn't one name that's like exactly popping up for me right now, but. You know, teams like like Vegas, who are built uh, from both sides, just um, like they, they, that's what they're going to do. They're going to they're going to stack the I mean, it depends how they want to do it. Like, are they going to attack the left hand side? That's been really good. Or are the Raiders going to attack the right hand side of the line, which isn't as solid with, you know, Titus Howard um, and why am I blinking? But yeah, Titus Howard's your right tackle and Titus Howard's a former first round pick and he's not necessarily terrible, but compared to Laramie Tunsil, he has, he hasn't been on that same level. Um, So I would be curious to see if Max Crosby lines up against Tunsil more, or if it's going to be him on the right side a little bit more. I think, I think that could be ultimately what decides the game maybe um is how do the raiders defensive line stack up and how do they line up against that texans offensive line and i personally think if you're gonna put crosby on the side like crosby is in my opinion one of the better pass rushers in the league so i would expect him even uh to give tunsil trouble if, if that's where it would be but I don't know if he'll get to the quarterback as often. Um, and to be honest, like I think the Raiders, as long as long as the Texans don't um, like, as long as they don't give up too many points early on, then they'll keep the game in their favor, which is let's protect the ball. Right. Let's run the football. Let's play possession. Let's try to have 35 minutes of possession and not force us into so many passing downs. That is going to be crucial for the Texans, probably a lot of their game plan. Um, and they're going to try to limit Max Crosby's impact, Chandler Jones' impact in the game. So you brought up Kenyon Green, and I actually wanted to ask you about him because he was one of my guys that I really liked coming out of the draft last year. How has he done so far in uh, in year one? Yeah, Kenyon Green was, when, when we took him, um, it seemed a bit high. It seemed a bit high when they were taking him. I knew there were like a couple of guys in that first round that I personally was thinking would go before him. And I wasn't even thinking the Texans were going to go on the offensive line um, in that, in that part of the draft, you know, Tyler Smith was someone that I was thinking would go probably before him, who I thought would have been a really good pick at 15. He ended up going to the Cowboys and he's yep. been really good for the Cowboys as well. Um, but Kenyon green's also been uh, pretty solid, probably a lot better than, than I or I or anyone really expected. Um, so I think like Kenyon Green has the makings of someone that can be a real long-term option for the Texans on the offensive line. Um, he's he's really smart, doesn't play like a rookie, um, doesn't get involved in too many penalty calls. Um, and that's that's crucial, honestly. Like I feel like the offensive line is is more about um just not like what do you not do? And uh, if you cannot do X, Y, Z, you're doing a good job. And and Canyon Green doesn't do X, Y, Z. That puts the Texans in trouble. That turns third and five into third and 15. And, um, you know, the fact that he does that, he, it helps the Texans a, a bunch. So 
I, I expect Kenyon Green to have a long career, and hopefully most of that, if not all of that, is going to be with the Texans. Shifting gears to the other side of the ball, I got to be honest with you. The Texans defensive line is a collection of guys who I didn't realize were still in the league, and outside <laughs> of Malik Collins, a bunch of guys who I have no idea or I've never heard of. So tell me, what should Raider fans be worried about come up front? Uh, you know, it's interesting because, um, you know, a lot of what happened, like when Nick Casario came in as the general manager, um, I want to say he signed like 45 guys to like one-year deals uh, last year, and he brought Holy some shit. of them back. Uh, Camus Gruger Hill was probably one of the better players last year for the Texans. Um, and he was like a reserve for the Eagles and the Dolphins gotcha. years ago. Um, he's been like a starter for the Texans and he's been doing, you know, pretty, pretty decent. Um, you know, the, that front seven is, is obviously the weaker part of the Texans defense. Um, but the Texans are really high on Jonathan Grenard. Um, assuming he plays, you know, he was a third round pick. I want to say in 2020, um, Rasheem Green has also been uh, pretty solid for them. He used to play in uh, Seattle for four years. Then he came to Houston in the offseason. Uh, he's gotten an opportunity to play. Um, and those are probably your more likely guys. Like if someone had to get a sack, it's probably going to be one of those two. Although the Texans are probably close to the bottom, if not at the very bottom of the NFL in terms of sacks. Um, but those two guys are your most likely guys uh, to pick up one if if that happens. But uh, yeah, the the strength of defense of the defensive line is like the the Texans are not strong on the defensive line. Gotcha. You're right. Well, how about uh, Jerry Hughes? I know he's 34 years old and coming over from Buffalo, yeah. but he still have anything left in the tank? Yeah, he does. Um, it's kind of like the last little bit in the tank. Um, mm-hmm. it, like they have they have Mario Addison as well. Um, so yes. Mario, Adi- Mario Addison and Jerry Hughes both played together in Buffalo and then they came down here to Houston. Mario Addison was activated, um, from the pup list after week four. Um, but Jerry Hughes also someone that, that could possibly disrupt things. But, um, you know, like I said, like, you know, these guys are in their mid thirties, um, right. trying to, you know, still play when they can, and they can play like these are, these are professionals, you know, a big contending team. Like these guys are not going to be a part of the team when the Texans are good again, right. if they're ever good again. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. The strength is really in that, in that back four in the secondary. Gotcha. Well, before we move on to the, the secondary and the linebackers, I do have to ask you about Malik Collins. Cause he had one disappointing season, one very disappointing season. I should add uh, for the Raiders. So how has he been for the Texans? He's, been, he's, he's probably played the most out of anyone of that defensive tackle. You know, they have, they have like four defensive tackles that they like to uh, circle through. Two of them are rookies. So that's why Malik Collins has gotten a lot of playing time is because, uh, you know, they don't want to, they don't want to play their rookies too much as if they haven't earned their playing time. Uh, Roy Lopez also is in that rotation. He's played a decent amount, but Malik Collins has been the best defensive tackle out of that bunch. And honestly, you know, when you have a young defense, uh, like the Texans do, you want to have those experienced defensive linemen. And um, Malik Collins has been uh, kind of a, a building block for them in terms of just this year's defense. Um, but I, I I think Malik Collins is going to 
just kind of be there. Like he's he's not gonna probably be on the team a year or two from now. Um, but it's it's been nice that he's been able to uh kind of reestablish himself and kind of get a second wind on his career. Cause I know he he struggled in, in Vegas, if I remember. Um, so it wasn't and he had a decent career in Dallas. So he's kind of finding himself again with an opportunity to play like most teams wouldn't be able to provide. And he's he's made the most of it. So let's talk about that. Uh, the secondary you keep referring to. I know they're young back there, but who are kind of the guys that that Raider fans should know about? Uh, see, everyone will point to Derek Stingley as the guy and obviously as they should. He's the number three pick. But Jalen Petrie, uh, who's the second round pick. I was hoping you would bring him up. Is my personal favorite. Um, he's just like you know the they lost Justin Reed in free agency to um to the Chiefs, and they needed a guy that could fill in that role um as kind of like your your ball hawk kind of guy, and and he's been that. And I dare I say he could be better than Justin Reed someday. He might even be better than him today. Um, oh, he's wow. just he's got a real smart football IQ. Like the kid knows what he's doing, and um he's just he he's just natural football instincts i want to say the texans have not sat him this year like he's played in every single down on defense for the texans and you know when you're trying to win football games you want the best players out there and jalen petrie is probably one of their better uh defensive players as is Derek stingley too like Derek stingley his goal is to take out the team's top receiver so i imagine he'll be lined up next to Devonte adams uh, through most of the game on Sunday. Um, there might be a chance that Steven Nelson gets some action as well, the team's other starting corner. Um, but J- uh, Derek Stingley is going to get the assignment on Devontae Adams for some, if not most, of this game against the Raiders. And I'm curious to see how he does because I don't think he's had an assignment quite like Devontae Adams yet. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious to see how he responds to that challenge. Yeah, there aren't too many assignments quite like Devontae. So it'll definitely be a definitely be a big test with Stingley. So I'm curious, you talked about how well he's been playing. Has he been struggling a little bit? I know just by looking up some of his, you know, stats and PFF grades hasn't been the smoothest transition. Has he had a little bit of that rookie learning curve? PFF hates Derek Stingley. <laughs> they they don't like him. Um, but yeah, and a lot of it too, I think, has to do with the fact that he does draw a really big assignments. But right. you know, if you look at if you look at how the Texans have been playing. You know, they have been in a lot. Of, they have been in every game like they, they haven't like been blown out yet. Um, And I wouldn't necessarily expect them to because I think this defense is good enough to keep this team in games. It's the offense that needs to step up and and be able to match what the defense is is giving them energy wise. Um, But I, I think that Derek Stingley, the, while the numbers don't look good, I, I feel like watching him is a lot different. And I think that he is someone that can hopefully get those numbers up to right. where the the tape looks. And I think that Derek Stingley has the makings of a guy that you can build around and be your top corner for years and years. That's why they drafted him so high. And I'm excited to see what he can do uh, this week and, and beyond, because I really think that he could be super special. One of the best corners in the league someday. So if I could kind of like sum up what you're saying, it's it seems like the traits are certainly there. It's just the production is kind of is waiting to come a little bit, but it's definitely something where you're still hopeful from what you've seen on tape. His trajectory remi- reminds me a little bit of Jeff Okuda from Detroit. 
where he kind of struggled as well. He was also a third overall pick. He struggled a little bit his rookie year. A lot of people were like, you know, is he going to work out? Is he not? But if you look at him now, you know, he's been uh, pretty, you know, he's like the Lions defense has not been up to par, but that's not because he's in a great year. Yes, for sure. So let's wrap up here. And I want to talk about the matchup in the slot. Desmond King has been one of the better nickel corners in the NFL. So how do you think he'll match up against a guy like Hunter Renfro's shifty in that, that short area right down there? Desmond King is, he's like hit or miss for me. Like he's, there can be weeks where he shows up and he's the guy that a lot of people, like who a lot of people thought he was in college. Um, But then there can be some days where it's like, oh yeah, that's why you've, you know, been cut twice or, right. uh, you know, been bouncing around the league as much as he has. Um, but I think with Desmond King, um, you know, he's a very crucial part of, of the team's defense um, because, you know, with Derek Stingley, he's going to be guarding you know, Devontae Adams or whoever, um, you know, chances are you're going to go to the, the next guy you go to is the slot. And Desmond King has held that fort down for a good amount of the year. And he's been, and he's been good. I, I would say he's had a good year so far um, against Hunter Renfro. You know, from what I've seen and correct me if I'm wrong, Matt, um, Hunter Renfro has not necessarily been the peak Hunter Renfro that we Definitely saw not. maybe a year or two ago. Um, so I personally think that um, Desmond King is going to give Hunter Renfro a challenge. So uh, Hunter Renfro is going to have to, you know, tap into his 2020 version a little bit more if he wants to make plays and make it happen this year and, and on Sunday. Yeah, no, you've definitely hit the nail right on the head. I mean, Hunter Renfro, I, I love the guy and he's been, he was a fabulous, fabulous last year was a pro bowler and thousand year receiver set Raiders records and all that stuff. But yeah, this year it's been tough. It's been a, a lot of non-impact and non-impactful plays. And you know, the, 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 the impactful plays that he have made have been negative. He's had three fumbles to start the year. One of them cost him the game against the Cardinals. So definitely. Yeah. Yeah. That definitely, uh, definitely hoping he's having a bounce back game and not obviously an ideal matchup to, to get right against a guy like Desmond King. But yeah. Well, Jeremy, thanks for coming on, man. Real quick before you go, where can the people find you to keep up on the Texans? Sure. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Matt. Uh, you can follow, um, battle red blog on Twitter at battle red blog. Uh, head to our website, battleregblog.com, home of all things Houston Texans at SBNation.com. And if you'd like to follow me personally, you can do so at Jeremy Brenner. That's J-E-R-E-M-Y-B-R-E-N-E-R. Awesome. Guys, check out Jeremy's work. I know he does a bunch of stuff across the internet, so plenty of stuff going on over there. You guys know where to follow me on Twitter, at Holder 95 Make sure you're following Silver and Black Bride. Until next time, guys. <laughs>